Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 62. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. How you doing, Van? Laura, I'm just absolutely super. And you know, it's kind of, I'm, I'm very excited about getting these podcasts rolling again, you know, because we had... Actually, we've had all kinds of issues ever since uh, Hurricane Harvey, but we've gotten some phenomenal feedback, which just really made me feel good to know that people were waiting for the new episodes. So I'm, I'm just, I can't begin to express how excited I am to get to rock and roll and do another one. Well, good. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, Laura, we're going to talk about lunging. Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about to lunge or not to lunge. That is the question. <laughs> Whether it is nobler. Oh, wait, no, we're not. We're not doing Shakespeare today. So. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's funny, Laura, because lunging, I've always thought it was a good idea for the right reasons. But I also have to admit that my attitude toward lunging has changed. For some people, I've always thought it was a good idea because some people needed to get their horses warmed up or sometimes they just needed to get their courage warmed up. And to be honest, I looked at those people and kind of in the back of my mind kind of chuckled because I thought, come on, just get up there and get on. Let's go for a ride. But then I'd, I'd, over the years, I began to realize that lunging is actually a much better exercise than merely just warming the horse up before you get the courage to step up on them. To me, I think lunging is an opportunity to kind of set the tone, perhaps, for what the day might be like. It'll kind of give you an idea uh, by kind of doing a pilot check with a horse, but yet do that from the ground. Kind of check his attitude out. As you're lunging him, you get an opportunity to see how soft and responsive you might be on his face. He'll give you an opportunity to see how respectful he might be with moving away from you with his shoulders. It might give you an opportunity to see how respectful and responsive he'll be by, by moving forward as you direct your energy behind his driveline. So there's a lot of really cool things about lunging if we're doing it correctly. Let me pause you just for a minute because now I'm assuming sure. I'm assuming that everybody who listens to this show, you know, knows something about horses. But just in case we've got somebody new who just ran across this and thought it was curious about what's this deal with the cowboy on the front of it, real quick, tell that person what lunging is. What you when you're talking about lunging, what you mean. That's that's a great point. Lunging is when we're exercising our horses via halter and a lead rope. From the ground. In other words, it's usually us kind of standing in the middle and we're asking the horses to, to walk, trot, or canter a circle around us. So it's, it's kind of a warm-up exercise, I guess you could say. It's just uh, some, some groundwork, some groundworking exercises that we do, but we're doing it from the ground. And because of that, it's, we, we kind of call it lunging. But you know, l- lunging actually comes from, it, it's really more of an exercise if you really understand the word. Because you see, lunge actually comes from a Latin word meaning to elongate, to lengthen. Mm. And so what does that mean? It means, well, perhaps it's, a, it's an exercise of warming up and stretching as we as athletes might do before we go do some sort of strenuous exercise. You know, you, you watch joggers, you watch tennis players, you watch us old football guys. Sometimes when we're getting ready to go do some exercises or go do some sort of some, or rather it be 
lifting weights or whatever the case may be, oftentimes we will do a little bit of a warm up before we actually start the exercise. And we do that because it kind of gives our muscles a chance to kind of get warmed up. It gives us a chance to stretch and elongate those muscles. So a lot of times we can do the exact same thing with our horses. And the reason I like to do it today versus many years ago when I was, I guess, less of a horseman, today I get an opportunity to elongate my horses. So when I'm working them to the left, I get a chance to evaluate them. See how responsive they're going to be on the halter. See how responsive and respectful they're going to be in their in their shoulders. See how they're going to push and motivate themselves through their hindquarter. And all the while, from the safety and the, of the ground, I can watch and observe how my horse is traveling. And I know that if he's doing an arc around me to the left, let's say I'm, I'm lunging him to the left, the right side of his body obviously is going to be a longer circle than the inside of his body. So the right side of his body is elongating, you see. In other words, there's, there's our word. There's lunging. We're, we're lengthening and elongating that offside. Then when we take the horse the other direction, now we're giving that side an opportunity to elongate and lengthen. So to me, I look at it today that really I kind of view myself more of a trainer, and I don't necessarily mean a horse trainer. I just mean an athletic trainer. I'm Mm -hmm. watching and observing my athlete as I'm putting him through these little bitty simple exercises, see how he's warming up. Because see, if I'm lunging him and if he's kind of off, let's say, for example, his stride might be off, he might be limping a little bit, or he's just not as limber to one side as he is the other. That might dictate to me today how we will adjust our training program for today. Maybe I will not get to work him at all under saddle because I see something that's so obvious that it might be causing the horse some pain or some discomfort. And if that's the case, can I deal with that obstacle or is that going to drastically affect how my horse performs today? So lunging, you see, gives me an opportunity to not only warm my horse up, but it also gives me an opportunity to observe the horse and perhaps even set the tone today for how the under saddle work uh, might play out. Well, that makes sense. I mean, because no matter how good a rider you are, or how perceptive you are, there are things about the horse you can't see when you're in the saddle. Right. I mean, if you're really, really good and you've got tons and tons of experience and you know what you're feeling for, oftentimes in the saddle, you can feel if the horse is off, you can feel if the horse doesn't feel as uh, symmetric on one side as he is the other. But on the ground, you get an opportunity to not only see it visually, but you get a better opportunity to see where it might be originating from. Should, is it originating in the hindquarters, originating in the front end? Maybe he's traveling nice and balanced, but he's just not as symmetric to one side as he is the other. And those are oftentimes things that we just can't observe quite as well from the saddle, unless, of course, you've just got lots and lots and lots of experience. But to me, I just I love being able to watch and observe those things from the saddle. And like I said, it oftentimes sets the tone for how today's program might, might work out. So if you are going to lunge a horse before doing whatever else you, you're planning for the day, do you have a routine that you go through or, or something you recommend, kind of a, a process for that? Well, yes, I do. And it's, but you know, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one of the most common mistakes I see people do first. And there's actually, there's a few of them. The first one is that the rider has a tendency or the the grounds person has a tendency to do more lunging than the horse does. (laughs) That to me is almost kind of comical. The other thing is, now see, well, I'm going to address that one first because see, oftentimes if, if we do all the moving that sets the tone for the horse that, Hey, I must be the leader because I'm getting Laura to move her feet. You see, because from the horse world, how horses perceive things, the leaders are always the ones that are the most efficient 
And the followers are the ones that are always being made to do the extra work. So by getting the horse to do the moving, instead of me moving in position and then making the horse move, by me being stationary and then directing some sort of movement at the horse, and that horse moves his feet first, I just planted that little seed in that horse's mind, oh, I must be the leader, or that that, that the handler must be the leader. Because you see, I'm already in the horse's mind psychologically because I made the horse move his feet from my space. Mm -hmm. And if the other happens first, in other words, even if we just voluntarily move our feet and the horse didn't, then basically what the horse sees is that it caused you to move your feet. So we just have to be very careful sometimes how that little bitty simple thing establishes the tone for not just the day, but even maybe for the future as well when, when we're working with horses. Because every day they'll build up on the idea that I must be the leader because Miss Laura keeps telling me that I am, mm-hmm. you see, just by, by your actions. The second mistake that I see most people make is they try to lunge a horse on too long of a line. They want to put the horse at the end of the at the end of the lead rope. If they've got a ten foot lead rope. They want to lunge them at the end of that ten foot lead rope. If they've got a twenty foot lead rope, they want to lunge them at the end of that twenty foot lead rope. My argument is this: is that I can't control the horse near as well from ten or twenty feet away as I can from three feet away. So even when I'm lunging the horse just to start warming up, I may do it only at an arm's length plus about three foot of lead rope or whatever whatever amount. That, that I can, can still control my horse. Once the horse walks off smooth and he's nice and soft on his face, he's moving and yielding his shoulders for me, he's driving himself forward for me, and, and I can trust the horse at, say, that three-foot-long lead rope, then I will let the lead rope slide out to maybe five feet. And then, again, I'll reestablish my, my role as a leader. The horse will reestablish the fact that he's trustworthy at that distance, and I'll let him go out a little bit further. So, in other words, Over time, I will get the horse out there as far as I need to and yet still maintain control. But what happens if I've got him at the end of a 20-foot lead rope and I lose control? That horse could easily turn and pull away and just literally have me dragging in behind him, and I wouldn't have the control that I would hope that I would at the end of that 20-foot lead rope versus, say, at the end of a 3- to 5-foot lead rope. So to me, I want to see people establish that establish that control before they get the horse out there to the point where they may not be able to survive the moment. I mean, do you think people feel like they are safer if the horse is farther, you know, if the, the rope is longer and the horse is farther out there? Oftentimes, I think you're right. I think that when the horse is out there further, they think, you know, well, number one, that's the way they see all the pros do it. So they think, you know, monkey see, monkey do. I'm going to do it like I've seen other people do it. But they don't realize that we didn't start there. But then again, you may be right. Sometimes they may feel like that if the horse is further away, that when the horse protests, and notice I say when the horse protests, because they've probably already experienced the fact that the horse is kind of unruly and is going to kind of kick up and protest a little bit. Well, I don't want to be too close to him. Well, see, that to me is another big mistake, because if he protests way out there, yeah, you might be out of kicking range but he might easily jerk away from you. Mm-hmm. And if he jerks away from you the first time, then he's going to jerk away from you the second time because he's going to learn on that behavior. Because again, we have to realize always and in every situation, how do horses learn? They learn from the release, release of, of pressure. pressure. So, yep. So if he jerks away from you, he's going to perceive that you were the pressure and you were the cause of the whole situation. Therefore, when he pulls away from you and he, and he gains his freedom and he gains that that release from that pressure, he's going to think, wow, that was, that was easy. So all I've got to do is fight and pull away and I get all the pressure taken away from me. 
You see, so we have to realize that, you know, what we could inadvertently teach our horses. So the lunging, in my opinion, has to be done very correct and and, uh, very smoothly and correctly. And as a result, we can teach the horse really good positive habits that make him a both safer animal on the ground, which, you know, we spend 90% of our time with these animals on the ground, but it also makes them better and more responsive in the saddle as well. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess I keep coming back to this the safety thing because I know that's a big deal for you. So how do you, how does somebody who's maybe just learning, who's who doesn't have the experience that you do, how do you lunge a horse at that closer distance you talked about safely? Where do you position yourself, and how do you how do you make sure that if the horse is an arm's length plus three feet of lead rope away, that you're going to be safe? That's a great point, actually, Laura, because what I want to make sure of is that, number one, if I've got the horse on a nice short lead rope and I've got him kind of arced away from me, the thing I have to realize is is that I want to always be able to control where his hindquarter goes, okay? So here's here's how we achieve that. Number one, control the nose. If we can control the nose, then we can better control the hindquarter. Because if we're going to lunge the horse, say, to the left around us, and the horse is getting a little bit worried or a little bit leery, or he's showing signs he's not going to be very soft soft and responsive on his nose, I want to bring his nose toward me. In other words, right toward my core. And And I tell people, bring the end of that lead rope right toward your belly button. And when you do, that's bringing that, all of that energy that's away from you toward your strongest part of your body, which is your core. Bring that nose there. And as you do, direct your attention toward his hindquarter. And almost inevitably, what will happen is his nose comes to you, and then that pressure is being applied to his hindquarter. His hindquarter goes away from you, mm-hmm. therefore eliminating that risk of the horse being able to kick at you. You see? Mm-hmm. So that position there, to me, is just very, very important. However, Another issue that I see people having when they're trying to lunge a horse, especially on a fairly short lead rope, is they don't know where to position themselves. They want to they want to drive the horse forward, so they'll put their energy toward the horse's hind end, but yet they'll forget that they're also controlling the horse's nose. So here's what I want folks to realize. Whenever you're on the ground, I want you to see yourself and imagine yourself in the saddle. So if you're asking the horse to go to the left, remember that your hands control the horse's face, and this goes for both on the ground as well as in the saddle, but your hands control the horse's front end and your legs control the horse's back end. In other words, behind the driveline, which is kind of behind the withers. So here's what I want folks to realize. If you're on the ground, your legs aren't really controlling his ribcage, are they? But now I want you to think that whenever you're on the ground, I want your body to represent your inside leg. Oh my goodness, what does that mean? <laughs> if, we're on the, if we're riding the horse and we're in the saddle and we're asking the horse to do a circle to the left, our left leg is our inside leg. Our left leg keeps the horse's body bent and arched in that circle. It kind of gets it bent around us. So now when you're on the ground, your body directing pressure at the horse's rib cage, and yet your hand is still guiding your horse to the left. As a result of the two of those, you're able to keep the horse arched around you. And at the same time, you're able to direct your energy toward his rib cage, which keeps his body bent and arced around into a, into a nicer circle. 
So what, when you're saying you're using your body to direct pressure or direct your energy towards that driveline, how do we do that? Because, you know, pressure, we're not touching them with our body. So what, exactly what do you mean that we're doing to direct, use our body to direct pressure at the driveline when we're on the ground? You bet. Now, first thing I do, quite frankly, is I just look at the body part that I want to move. So for example, if I want his rib cage to arc and move around me, I'm going to focus on that. And I'm going to direct my energy, in other words, right in the center, the center of my body, which is going to be like my belly button. I'm going to direct my belly button right at that horse's rib cage. And I'm going to step toward it. As Mm -hmm. I step toward it, the horse should go forward and uh, kind of away from me, so to speak. And every step that I take, I'm stepping right toward that spot. Now, let's say that I step toward it and the horse doesn't move. The horse is too dull. He's too desensitized. And as a result of him being too desensitized and too non-responsive, I might take a lead rope and I might swing the tail of my lead rope right toward the exact part of his body that I'm looking at. So if I'm looking right at his rib cage, I'm going to aim my lead rope right toward that part of his rib cage. Now, I don't whack him with that lead rope, not yet anyway. (laughs) What I do is I just swing the lead rope right toward that spot. It's almost like I'm kind of threatening that spot. But I don't threaten and never back it up. So let's say I'm asking him, I'm looking at that spot, I'm stepping toward that spot. Now I'm swinging my lead rope at that spot. And if he responds to all that, it doesn't go any further. If he doesn't respond to that, now I'll swing the lead rope again. And this time I'll make contact with him in that same spot that I'm looking at. If he still doesn't respond, I promise you I'm going to swing the lead rope a little bit harder and I'll continue to get a little bit more uh, assertive with that lead rope and swing it a little bit harder until eventually the horse will get uncomfortable enough that he will move away from that pressure. You know, that reminds me of a story several years ago. I was watching Ray Hunt working a horse on the ground that was extremely rude and the lady was having just a tremendous amount of trouble with it. So Ray went over and volunteered to help her. And as he was helping the lady with the horse, the horse kind of froze up and locked up a little bit. And and Ray did the exact same thing I was talking about. He kind of stepped at that spot, swung his lead rope, then eventually made contact with the lead rope. And then after that, he was making pretty darn good contact. And every time he tapped the horse, he tapped a little bit harder. All the while, the lady was over there just all but bawling. In fact, she was just, oh my God, I can't believe he's hitting my horse. And he, she was just a wreck. And in his kind of typically Ray callous tone, looked at her and says, lady, you know why I'm hitting your horse? And of course, she's just in hysterics by this point. She says, no, because I can, he said. <laughs> All the horse has got to do is move. Yeah. You see, Ray wasn't going to charge it. He wasn't going to continue to chase the horse. All he needed to do was say, look, this is a very uncomfortable spot. You've got a choice to make. You can either here, sit here and take this tremendous discomfort, or you can simply move away from it. And quite frankly, I knew Ray well enough to know he didn't care which way the horse moved. It could have moved up, down, left, or right. As long as the horse moved, he would have relieved a little bit of that pressure. And then later, he would have directed the movement in a better, a better place. But in the beginning, he just needed the horse to move. Yeah. And eventually, the horse did move. So that's what I want people to realize is, is that I don't want you to think that you're being mean or cruel if you swing your lead rope and your horse still doesn't, still doesn't respond, and then you actually make contact with a lead rope, because all the horse has got to do to avoid that is respond to any or all of the softer cues that you provided for it. 
Mm-hmm. You see. And th- so this is sort of the ground version of your squeeze, bump, kick, and kill thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All you have to do is just remember the same thing, which is in that persistence on the ground, believe me, carries over into the saddle. And and what follows in the saddle ends up following right back into your groundwork again. So it's just so important that we that we establish that that language for a better lack of a better term, just that language that the horse can understand. And if you think about it, horses already do that. We've talked about this before, but horses already do it in their world. You know, in the beginning, you might see one horse do nothing more than just barely move an ear in the direction of another horse. If that other horse responds to that, then it doesn't go any further. But if it doesn't respond, that mare might move her ear and then kind of threaten to reach over to bite at her. If the if the horse still doesn't respond positively, that mare will build on that. She'll move an ear, she'll threaten to bite, and she might even reach over and try to bite. And then if that still doesn't work, she'll wheel around and kick like crazy until eventually that horse gets the message. But you see, every time they start, they do it the exact same way. In other words, they always start out with the most efficient thing first, the easiest little bitty signal. And that's what we need to learn to realize as well. And before you know it, you can get your horses, you can just kind of look at them and they'll move. You know, it's almost like, you know, my mom used to give me that look. I was I... <laughs> just thinking the same thing. It's the the the, the maternal look. And you can, yes. you know, you don't you don't ever want to get past the look because the next thing is sort of don't make me come over there. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But the and and every kid knows what that look means. Exactly. And you know, and that's honestly that's why women end up making such good trainers if they can just apply those same things that they, those mother skills that they do with their kids, it really works well on the horses as well, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, at the same time, those mothers that are pushovers and have to wait until dad gets home, you know, that they're probably going to have a little bit of difficulty with their horses also. But you know, if you just learn to give them that look and then follow up on it and then follow up on it still, and boy, before you know it, that horse will be just like little junior. <laughs> He's yeah. going to respond to mom before it ever gets to the point where mom gets too upset. So, so what else about lunging do we need to know? Well, first of all, I don't want people to be afraid to do it. I I know that, you know, back in the day, you know, again, when I was a lot younger, there were a lot of people who would not lunge their horses because they didn't want others around them to think that they were weak or that their horses weren't well-trained. So they would literally just go put a saddle on them, climb up on them, and then just hope like heck everything worked out well. So what I want people to realize is that be okay with lunging, but if you're going to use lunging as both a warm-up exercise and as a means to kind of set the tone for how you're riding and how everything is going to work out, then learn to do it correctly. Spend some time with your horses and do it correctly. There is a right way and a wrong way. And actually, I, I want to kind of elaborate on that. You know, we, in a previous episode, we talked about there are several different ways to skin a cat. I don't want people to think that there is a very prescribed method of lunging your horse. And if you don't do it this way, then it's not correct. But there are some things, though, that are very important, such as being able to control the horse's nose. Don't teach your horse to get heavy and pull you around by learning how to ignore uh, the pressure that might be applied to his, uh, to his nose as he's working around you. Just like you're in the saddle, you don't want the horse to constantly lay on the bit. Therefore, on the ground, you don't want the horse to constantly lay on that lead rope. He shouldn't be allowed to put any more pressure on that halter or that lead rope than he would be uh, to a bit. 
So we want him to be very soft and very responsive around us and not leaning on us. And and uh, Lynn Palm used to call that self-carriage. We didn't want, we want horses to carry themselves and not lean on us as they're walking around us. We don't want them to be part of that centrifugal force that they're that we're having to hold them in. The horse should be very willing to stay soft on his nose and and do a nice quiet circle around us. So we do need to learn to practice those proper ways uh, of teaching the horse to get soft on his face. The proper ways to get a horse to be responsive and willing to move out from the amount of pressure that you apply to them. And at the same time, uh, listen to the rhythm that we establish. In other words, what I mean by that rhythm is, is that if I want my horses to move faster, let's say at a longer trot or at a canter, I want to increase my rhythm. And as I do that, then the horse learns to listen to my rhythm. If he listens to that rhythm, um, then he stays out of trouble. If he doesn't listen to the rhythm, I'm going to increase the rhythm with a little in, uh, incentive with the, the swing of the lead rope. And if he still doesn't respond to that rhythm, then I'm not even whacking with the lead rope. You see, in other words, the, the, but if the horse listens to the rhythm first, he avoids those escalations. But the same is, is true in reverse, meaning that when I'm ready for the horse to slow down, I don't want to have to pull on his face to get him to slow down or reel him in and make him work a smaller circle. All I want to do is just slow my feet down and slow my rhythm down. If the horse responds, great. If he doesn't, then I can begin to reel him in a little bit. And as a result, we end up with a better working relationship because we've understood or we were understanding and establishing a kind of a working language between the two of us. It might be a little bit visual, might be a little bit audible, might be a little bit physical. But either way, it's a form of communication that's going to work for both me and my horse. And, and I mean, I can see how all the things you were just describing are really the same principles that apply when we get into the saddle. And so it's sort of teaching those good habits, I guess. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's such a good point. You know, we, we, we talked about in a previous episode, Laura, that success is a habit. So a lot of times when we're lunging our horses, we're, we're setting the horse up to be successful. We're setting them up to where they're already understanding or better understanding the language of communication that we're establishing. And before you know it, they just get better and better habits. We, in turn, are creating better and better habits. And as the two of us can, can do that, we get this tremendous sense of achievement and accomplishment. And, and again, I think even that is part of the habit that's, uh, or part of the success that is the habit, is you kind of get addicted to that feeling of achievement, that feeling of accomplishment, and you start seeking that out. And both of you, in, at times, you, the horse and the, and the handler, oftentimes start developing a little bit better work ethic. Why? Because they know that the carrot at the end of the stick is going to be that achievement and that accomplishment. So they know that whatever work they're applying to that effort is going to be rewarded through that achievement. And what a great way to be successful with your horse. So do you have any, I was just thinking as, as I've been listening to what you, how you were describing the process, do you happen to have any videos like in the Top Hand Club uh, that demonstrate any of this? You absolutely, Lauren. In fact, there's several, and I address it from different so many different angles. For example, I talk about even before we ever lunge our horse, the first thing I want to do is make sure the horse will respect the lead rope. So before we ever go anywhere, we just make sure the horse is nice and soft and responsive to his face. The next thing I ask is that the horse learn to yield his shoulder away from me. In other words, I'll hold my position and I will ask the horse to move laterally away from me. 
uh, just to kind of protect that bubble around me. So, and what I mean by that is if I'm standing three feet from my horse and I ask the horse to go to the left, I don't want him to get go to the left by coming in to two feet from me. In other words, don't come to me to go around me. What I want him to do is I want the horse, this first step is to respect that bubble that I've established and move around my space. I don't want him to think that it's okay to come into my space just to achieve his his goal of, of getting to what he thinks is going to be his destination. I want him to learn to go around me. So yes, to answer your question in short, there are videos that break that down very, very carefully. And I've very strongly emphasize the attitude of asking the horse to move his feet first and not just move his feet, but move his feet correctly. And I'll go back and support a statement that Jack Brainerd said many years ago was the horse doesn't know any different. Therefore, when you teach him the correct step, he never learns the incorrect step. You see, so therefore, when he learns to dance, he can only dance correctly because he's never been taught to do it incorrect. He doesn't know one way or the other. So they will they will only be as good as the standard in which we set for them. Well, and that's probably true in pretty much everything that we do with our horses. Um, so, you know, some good lessons, I guess, learned today and probably more, th- more things we could talk about. But uh, for those listeners who are members of the Top Hand Club, I, w- I guess I would recommend that you check out the videos because this is one of those things that that um, it's helpful to talk through the principles of it, but for somebody who wants to learn to do, do to lunge better and understand really well all the things about the position you take and the attitude you take and all of that, I, I would think being able to see those videos would be very, very helpful. And for those listeners who aren't members of the Top Hand Club, you ought to join. There you go. That's a good point. <laughs> Join that top hand club. Yes. So, uh, you know, I'm sure people may have questions. That's one great resource. Uh, We're not really in the announcement section, but it just, to me, that that seems like a a really good resource for people who want to get better at this particular element of horsemanship to to join the top hand club, which you can find out on the website at vanhargis.com. There's a, a button there where you can click to learn more about joining the top hand club and see all the resources that are there. Anything else that we want to say about, uh, or that you want to say about uh, lunging before we wrap it up today? No, I just want to encourage people to to um, to feel free to try it. You know, I know there's a lot of folks out there that already do, but as you're doing it, see if you can get it refined to the point to where it's almost masterful. It's almost like a dance between you and your horse. I really want to encourage people to do that, and then look at it from different perspectives. Look at it from the point of, oh, not just giving your horse some exercise today, but giving your horse exercise correctly. Learn to evaluate your horse as he's traveling. Evaluate how soft and responsive he's being. Evaluate how, evaluate how respectful he's being uh, to you and to your space. And at the same time, evaluate his physical condition. Give him an opportunity to stretch his body out and kind of get ready for what might be taking place a little bit later. So in other words, just look at it as if it's just a nice, really good warm-up exercise, both mentally as well as physically. So there you go. And uh, if listeners have questions, you can always direct those to Van in a number of ways. Um, You can leave a question on the show notes uh, for this episode on the website at vanhargis.com. You can also, if you uh, follow the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, you can post a question in there. And and Van, I think you kind of keep an eye on that and try to answer questions when you can. 
Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Or if you you know have your question and you want to ask uh, Van privately, you can email questions to Van at info at vanhargis.com and he'll get back to you that way or maybe address it in a, an upcoming episode or both. Trying to think, you know, Van, before we started recording, we didn't really talk very much. And so I, I didn't get a chance to ask you, what's new at Van Hargis Horsemanship? What's going on in, in the coming months? Well, the really cool stuff is that we've got a new facility that we're trying to rush like crazy to get to get complete. And Laura, this facility is going to be dedicated solely to education. I mean, yes, we're still going to be doing some training here, but it's really going to be focused on clinics, expos, all sorts of things that are going to be more uh, about just the education of, uh, of our listeners and anybody else that wants to come out and, and visit us at the ranch. So that's been the biggest thing of late. We're trying to get it situated where when our guests come in, they will have cabins on site that they can stay in the cabins on on the ranch. We're starting that out actually with dormitories, and that starts next week. We're actually getting the dormitory starting their construction uh, on Monday. So we're very excited about the things that are going on cool. with, with that part of it, Laura. Yeah, we're pretty excited. And you know what? We're going to throw out an invitation to Laura and all of her folks too, because we're going to have a women's retreat also. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, that was a whole point of this, of this type of uh, facility, is so that we could make the education uh, not just solely about the horse stuff, but be able to use the horses in support of other things as well. And you know exactly what I'm talking about when it when it comes to that, because you and I've had numerous conversations about leadership skills, organizational skills, all those things, and um, and we want this place to be dedicated to to that type of education, just to help people enjoy their lives a lot better. So both the horsemanship and the humanship. Absolutely. You betcha, Laura. So is there any uh, information about any of this on the website yet or? Not yet, because we're going to kind of wait until we get some better pictures and things like that for the, you know, for the website, as far as the facility. I think we've kind of dropped the hint to a few folks out there that, you know, what we're doing, but as we get a little bit further along and we can actually kind of photograph the structures coming up and the arenas going up, then I think we're going to start to kind of create a little dialogue with folks there and, and kind of let them follow the journey, so to speak. Well, fun. So I suppose people should watch watch the website, watch the Facebook page for updates as construction goes on and when you start uh, opening up registrations for events and stuff like that. So very cool. We're excited. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So as always, listeners can follow what's going on again on the Facebook, the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. Also on the website at vanhargis.com, there are, there's lots of information there. There's your calendar, the events that you're going to be at in the coming year. So that's a great place to find out if Van's coming somewhere close to you so you can see him live and in person. And if he's not coming already to your area, I think you can contact Van Hargis Horsemanship through the website to see about maybe you bringing him into your community to uh, to do a clinic or an event there so you can learn from him in person which i you know the podcast is great but there are some things that that are just better when you've got the cowboy on the ground in front of you so i encourage people to visit the website see what's there the store that's there and the various um the items of tack and the saddles and things that you can get there and of course the top hand club that we've already talked about definitely visit vanhargis.com to see what's going on there anything absolutely. else absolutely 
I, I can't think of a thing, Laura. I think you pretty well covered it, but I definitely want to encourage folks to keep, you know, keep following the website. We're making tons of changes on a regular basis, adding events, of course, as as they pop up. Uh, we do have a really couple of really cool expos that are just right around the corner. Actually, three. We're going to Missouri, I think, in just a few weeks. Shortly after that, we'll be headed up to the Iowa Horse Fair. Um, shortly after that, we're going back to the Midwest again for the uh, Equine Fair in Columbus, Ohio. So lots of stuff coming up, Laura. This is that this is that really cool, busy time of the year coming into spring. So we're just excited as we can be about it. And we want to encourage people to come and, and, and be a part of those events with us. And make sure if you do, when Van comes out of the ring, go up and say hi to him because he likes to talk to people. I really do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Laura, because that is so true, isn't it? You've been to a few of these things with me, and I, I tend to like you know, to visit with folks and, and uh, to listen to their stories and to have them share the things that, that they do with their horses with me. And it's just, uh, that's my element. I just really enjoy it. Okay, so I think that's everything. Am I right? I think you're right, Laura. You know, as always, I just want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening and uh, appreciate the comments. We've had some really good comments here the last couple of weeks, and uh, we really don't keep those coming. But with that, I just want to, again, just express my, my deepest appreciation and gratitude for those listening. And to remember that until next time, it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. Mm-hmm.